Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ultimate Wise Men Say show here on Spark FM with me, Stephen Goldsmith, for Gareth Barker here as well, adding all the glamour. Gareth? Um, yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I knew you would like that one. Yeah, glamour. Gary Foster's here. a word for it. <laughs> Gary Foster's here as well, freelance journalist most recently of the Shields Gazette. And he's that mint on top of Gary. He's came on the show twice over the summer, which we're very grateful for, Gary. Always nice to be here. You just like to listen back to yourself, don't you? <laughs> Keeps the keeps the dog dog quiet. He lives in a quarry, (laughs) massive (laughs) quarry. Lives in the Grand Canyon, just reverberate. (laughs) I just thought (laughs) that that was an unusual bit silence. Yeah, that was an unusual. uh, I've I've actually never heard you make that noise before. I'm letting the listeners just let that digest. That it was a it was let it sink in. Quite good off the cuff. Do you reckon? All right. Yeah. Well, you know, Miranda is on television, so if that can get on television, (laughs) that is that is very true. Right, okay, now we, we're aware that there was a game last night, so the obvious thing would be to talk about that, however this is a pre-record from last night, so tonight for us in here, which is getting a little bit confusing, um, all done for selfish reasons that we want to go to the game that is tonight, which is Hartlepool, so we can't, <laughs> we, we're not going to talk about Darling then. Um, it's quite tricky talking all this present and past tense actually, when it's a different day for us, it's a bit challenging. Right, should we talk about the match anyway and make some guesses? Did you like that thing, what um, <laughs> such yeah. and such done? Yeah, I was a bit unsure about Mavrias' celebration, what he did. I didn't think it was really appropriate for a friendly game when he, you know, getting stripped off and everything, mm. going up the touchline, oh. swinging his shorts around his head. I thought it was a bit inappropriate. But I think the only thing we can really do is see, you know, what we want to see from pre-season in general, I guess, because, you know, <laughs> what, what else can we do? And I, I, I feel like we're tempted to fear by speaking how... You naturally, Gary, you want to get through pre-season without any injuries. As cliched as that sounds, that is the main aim. Hopefully, I haven't jinxed it. And that some, it. yeah, somebody last night, so somebody would, broke yeah. a leg last night, yeah. <laughs> and then we're going to be listening back now. But you know, so well, I guess there's, there's two ways we can look at that. Then we can say um, that how big it is a blow if you do pick somebody does pick up an injury pre-season, and on the other side of the coin, you want to get through it unscathed. Yeah, I think especially the way um, they played at the weekend, you probably it, it, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because you, you don't want any of the you don't want any of the players that's going to feature to get injured, and you certainly don't want any players that's not going to feature to get injured because you might have an even bigger job shifting them on. So I know he gave some of the guys like to, to your Keith and stuff like that a run out on on, on Saturday. Mm. Probably wanting to put them in the shop window, as it were. I don't know if there was anybody there having a look at them or whatever, or just to get their fitness for anybody probably, who comes yeah, in for them. But you know, if they pick up a blow, it means you're stuck with them. You might be stuck with them on the wage bill, and, and that sort of repercussions as to what you can bring in. What makes a good pre-season, Gareth? What makes a successful pre-season? Injuries is the obvious one. Well, the Turn, turn, mic turn on. your mic on. Yeah, yeah. The, um, yeah, turn your mic on. That's the first <laughs> thing you do. Go back to some pre-season training. Turn your mic on, um, and then I don't know why you turned it off. Because I was clicking around, right, okay. and I didn't want it to do. A, you know, I was trying to be professional, okay. and then and then that you know, went full yeah. circle. Ironic. Um, yeah, I think <laughs> a good pre-season is one that sets you up well <laughs> for, for good results know, at the start come on, of the a season. Bit more I mean, depth now. Do you think? Obviously. Um, Gus wants to implement his yeah. tactics further on the players this yeah. this season, so that's going to be important, isn't it? I think playing um, playing enough games um, for familiarity, I think 
I don't think I know people are threatened about signings. I'm sure we'll come up to that at some point in the program. But I just feel that if you know the last season, Gus Boyer when he came in, he was firefighting whilst trying to create something, um, create an opportunity to stay up, um, and he was creating you know the opportunity to get results. But at the same time, he was trying to implement his you know his um, his preferred style, and I think you can do that further in in pre-season. It's really important. Um, but what what that means is, you know, the players he's got, you'll be able to integrate other players into that system a bit easier than trying to get an entire new team, basically like mm-hmm. he did when he arrived, to play the certain way he wants to. So I think, you know, it, like you say, I think it's really important that he implements a style he wants to, you know, wants to use. And he can do that with two separate teams. He can do that with two separate teams. He can, Which is important because I think it's, that's it's actually, better than four, 45 minutes yeah. each. Surely 90 minutes is each. There's, two, is there's two occasions in pre-season where we'll be playing one game one day and immediately yeah. um, Have afterwards. we done that before? Is that a new strategy? I, I because it seems very logical recall. to do that, doesn't it? Yeah. And then a the player's not, you know, they're not getting the 45 yeah. minutes, they're getting the 90 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I think they've done it in terms of they sometimes had a, a first team squad somewhere, and then maybe a under twenty ones or kids elsewhere. But I've never played twice. Yeah, today, didn't I, I'm not. Yesterday. I'm not sure I've ever seen um, them do it one day after the other. Um, and as much, but like, see if you're going, if they're going to give two different 11s a run out them, then why not? Is there anything else apart from injuries? Anybody? You got anything? Um, I talk, it's always difficult, isn't it? I mean, you you beat you beat rightly beat Dalek and at the weekend and nobody's getting over excited about it and rightly so but if if it had been the other way around they'd get beat obviously yeah. it would have been all doom and gloom so it, it, it's a bit of a rock and a hard place for, for Gus and for the players they've just got to go out work on their fitness work on their tactics and hopefully grab grab a couple of wins and then, then that gets the, the fans buzzing a little bit and feeds back to the players because mm. the last thing you want to do is go into the start of the season going oh we couldn't even beat this one we couldn't <laughs> even beat that one which it tends to be the way we're out a lot but you, you just don't know with pre-season D you can have a great one and be dreadful or you can have yes. a dire one and be very good I mean Absolutely. but the, I mean the last two have been quite interesting in a way because they've kind of reflected this way the seasons have gone have actually reflected the pre-season mm. to under O'Neill um, when we had that sort of mediocre start where we just drew a lot of games and well, couldn't we- get a win we we played. We played that. We we went to that tournament in um, South Korea. Was it South Korea? Yeah. And, yeah. and I think we had games there. And then I think we drew. I think we might have lost to Leicester. And I think we drew with Derby. I seem to recall. Um, and McLean scored mm. down there. Um, and we went. We looked just a bit devoid of ideas and a bit stale. Was that the same season we got beat at Hartlepool as well? Yeah, we lost it hard. Because that, that was that was poor. Well, now when all guys just said, "There, you can't read anything," yeah. it? you know, one they're all cliches, yeah. isn't it? Don't read anything into in the result. But I think at times um, results like that are alarming. But again, on the other side of the coin, last season we went and beat Spurs, and everybody thought we were going to be world beaters under <laughs> the Canio, didn't mm. they? <laughs> And, and Corral was going to be a superstar. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. Well, he's back. He was <laughs> there. He was on. He was there in, on in Saturday in Darlington. But uh, weak link apparently mm, was he? Well, the, the people I've spoken, I didn't go. Uh, Hartley pulled me in my first game, but um, just reading reading up on stuff. Apparently, he struggled. Or really, probably you can you can translate that as uh, not Alfie really caring. Well, yeah, huh? you've got you've got to wonder how much he's really bothered. He's it's been made abundantly clear he's not mm. wanted here by the new regime. So Pies why, by the last three regimes. Yeah, so why should he go out and bust a gut? Yeah. Um, uh, unless there's, unless he knows, there's, unless his agents give him the nod and said, look, there's somebody there watching you today, then he might go out and, you know, give it his all. But otherwise, he's, he's not going to be bothered, is he? Mm. The entire thing is interesting. Mm. Are you building your hopes up? Um, I, I quite like what I was hearing about him saying he wants to stay and, and fight for his place, which. <clears throat> you know, some people would be cynical about that and say, "Oh, he probably just wants to sit and pick up his probably large wages." Do you think, do you think all the Betis fans will be kicking off the same way the Sunderland fans are with Barini and Dice? And he wants all, to steer. I don't know. <laughs> are all the uh, are all are all Sunderland fans? No, they are. Barini We're going to talk about Barini later on, and I don't want to do it to death. Yeah. To be fair, but and and Dai, do you, you don't I'll, think he automatically yeah. think he fits in the Poyet system, do you? It, no, because he. You know, he's a little bit too direct, isn't well, he? And Poy, Poy is all about possession football. Yeah, exactly. And, and while I'm sure Big Alf has a lot of strengths, I don't think um, putting his foot on it and, and pinging it about uh, one no. of them. So, you know, I, I, 
You're breaking Gareth's heart, are you? Um, no, no. I, I, I think he, I think he's. I do I think he uses the ball well. I do, and I think he, I think he offers. I think he offers himself, and you know, I, he, I don't think he fits into that kind of system. Though, does he? Mm. I, I think if you play in one of these systems where you need this guy who's just this big enforcer who's going to, you know, box to box them, maybe. But mm. we're not going to play that way, are we? Under Gus, and and, and is he going to get in before Brad Cutton? And, and, and Catamore in that kind of defensive mm. midfield role. So, ah, I haven't got anything against the kid. I think at times his, his first touch was horrendous. At times when we first saw him, he seemed to get a bit better. Mm. He's obviously been doing all right in Spain, so he's obviously got something about him. But I mean, I, I don't mean, think he you know, fits the bill. One thing you could say in his defence is that Poyet's certainly done something with Lee Catamore, hasn't he? It's almost worked wonders in the way he's he's yeah. um, he's calmed down, knocked the ball about. So I guess if anybody can do it. Gus can, but on the on the other hand, he isn't going to want to really have to spend time to do that, is he? He would rather have the players in who could do that job from the no, start. No, and, and, and the big, big, big thing at Sunderland, as we've, we've found out over the last two seasons or season and a half, is this financial fair play. And if if Alves taken up a wage on the wage bill, then it means somebody else can't come in. And if Gus has got Catamon, he's got break cutting, even to a certain extent, Larson to play in that role. Is he really going to want to keep all the Alf when it might mm. mean getting somebody else in that he does really want and does think he really needs? Yeah, yeah, I think that's the key. It's relevant, Gareth, as well, isn't it? Because if you think of yeah. the four centre midfielders with five centre midfielders he has there now, you would certainly have Bridcut, Catamore, Larson, and Gomez, who's going to be yeah. starting before and die. So, I'd imagine, which logically you yeah. try and get rid of him, I think. I mean, I think Gomez will be a more advanced player so he, I don't think he'd be competing for that same position he'd but be he isn't one gonna, of the two deeper really, do you think he would go for one of the deep ones has he got the discipline for that who and Dyke but I'm yeah. saying I think he would come in for one of them you I don't think he'd come in for think. one of, I would think he would if he was going to yeah, be selected I don't, I don't think he'd sit like in, in a sort of advanced role like no. Gomez I don't think I think if he did use him it'd be in, in, in the sort of enforcer role as and well. he's going to be third he's going to be third, third or fourth yeah. choice really, I mean one one thing it's all about, I think, which is is relevant here, and what what you said before about you know getting the system in place and everything. Now we saw last season he changed it a couple of times. He changed it a few times throughout the season. They had the standard four three three most of the time, but then they had the like that four one four one a bit and at just, times, and yeah. then they had the four two three once a couple of times, but then then obviously it was a three five two. Is there going to be a situation when you want to make a change in a game? And you want somebody to carry the ball rather than pass it. And maybe Alfred and Dyer will be an option if you make a change. There's no point taking off Catamull and or bringing on Larson or taking off Catamull and bringing off Bridcut in the same. If you want to change a game, that's not going to change it. You're just going to keep it. So you might as well, if you've got options you can bring on in, in the midfield areas and you want to be maybe a bit more expansive if you're chasing a game. I mean, I don't know. I'd. Is that an option? It, it, it is an option, but going back to the point I made earlier, I really do think it is a case of him being told by the powers that be that he's got to cut his cloth yeah. accordingly. And that if he decides he wants a left winger or he wants a right winger or he wants this, that and the other, get somebody then up. he's got to get yeah. somebody off the wage bill. And the fact yeah. that he's got three central midfielders or four central midfielders there, he's going to look and see it. And the fact that Betis want him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's somebody actually knocking on the door who actually wants him. So... It's somebody who's willing to take him off your hands. So I yeah. think that that's going to be the biggest factor in, yeah. in Alf. Definitely. No, I, I think that's the case with a lot of players in the squad as well. Yeah. I think that applies to, you know, he's going to have to shift maybe some fringe players out. And I was just say, using it as an example, you know, he probably could be utilised at a point um, yeah. if he wanted to change the style within a game itself. But th- he might not be mm. someone who he'd start a game with. I think in the past when... when Previously, other managers were allowed, like Steve Bruce and, and, and even O'Neill, and that were allowed to build up these extensive squads. But I think the key thing now, coming from mm. Ellis Short and Maggie Byrne and, and, and everybody at the club, it seems to be this financial fair play, which is quite staggering. When you know Real Madrid, I know they're in a different ball game, but Real Madrid go out and spend sixty-three million quid on James Rodriguez, mm. and we we look and see. You know, can't really afford to keep all the Alf because that mm. might not our financial fair play. It's just a whole different yeah. ball game. Right? One rule for one, and unfortunately, the, yeah. the, the big lads can get away with it. And you often see in pre-season as well, um, going back to sort of players like and die and things. You know, players have quite prominent pre-seasons, and then 
sort of people start talking about oh, well, they might be able to come in and do a job here and there and then you never see them for the rest of the season <laughs> and then they reappear the next uh, pre-season but they've got that Clayton on loan well not on loan sorry Clayton on I'm trial sorry, haven't yeah. they um, I don't know what did you hear much about him? I, I've heard a few people saying he, he looked, looked quite tidy. And, and full of energy and stuff. Uh, probably, possibly a little bit too early to judge for that. It'll be interesting to see how the Bruni thing develops and where, you know, whether we're going to start needing forward players, doesn't it? But um, just to finish off on the die thing, then despite the best intentions, I think, of Alfred and Gareth, I don't <laughs> think um, Big Alf will be staying no, around. No, we're going to um, talk more about Sunderland shortly. First, we're going to hear from Matt Harrison, who's a blogger and a host of Jackcast podcast. He's a Swansea City fan. As you probably know by now, we do this every week. Speak to fans of other Premier League side. Uh, talk spot ripped the idea off, uh, I've noticed. Um, <laughs> to, to hear how their sides are shaping up for pre-season. Here's Matt. Okay, Matt, give us a summary of Swansea's pre-season so far. Um, well, um, in regard to transfers, it's been fairly successful so far. We've signed Marvin Emnes, who is um, really sort of looked a good squad player last year and obviously scored that goal at Sunderland he and did, yeah. generally very good when he appeared for us last year so it's good to see him rejoin for one million um, obviously we've got I can never say his first name Barford Temby Gomez on a free transfer who was, was at Lyon and holds the stat of scoring the quickest hat-trick in Champions League football and it's an exciting signing and it sounds like we've got Gilfie Sigurdsson today and maybe lost Ben Davis but I think generally we're all fairly happy we've got Sigurdsson back rather than losing Ben Davis. So you, you definitely think you, you've got the best of that deal then? Um, I think so, yeah. Obviously Ben Davis is a quality player, but I guess we are very fortunate in that we have a, ready re- um, a ready-made replacement in Neil Taylor and um, even Michel Vorm going the other way. Michel Vorm's been very, fairly average and inconsistent after he obviously made a, a stunning start with us he was brilliant but um, he's not been that great for about a year now and we've signed Fabianski for nothing so I don't think there's too many people bothered about losing Vorm either so yeah I think our transfer dealings have generally been pretty good so far What about Wilfred Bonney is he staying? Um, it's, yeah it's a funny one it seems it was last week it was there was sirens going off in Swansea and everything. You'd think he was he was practically out the door, and then it just suddenly seemed to stop. And it's, the impression we get now is that now Liverpool have supposedly signed Laurie Grenny, that um, we're sort of safe and we're going to keep him because there seems to be Spurs have been mentioned, but I don't, know, I don't get the impression he's going to end up go there anyway. So I think we're safe with him. I think he's I think he's going to be here, which is very very exciting because. He's much better than us. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Sigurdsson one's definitely a plus point. I think I think every side sort of from, well, from probably Tottenham downwards were kind of looking at him and thinking that's a sign, you know, that's a player we would love to have at our clubs. But I guess the fact he's already been, he's been there before, it was a bit of a no-brainer for him. So you're still happy with Gary Mungan, do you think? Can you see him fitting all these players in and are you you're generally positive? Yeah, very positive. Um, we seem to, you know, end of last year, it was, he was still sort of finding his feet a bit and trying different things out, but he was always trying to get turn us into a more attacking outfit and perhaps less defensive than we've been under Loudrup and even Rogers. Actually, we've um, we're playing some really exciting stuff, and even like at Sunderland, the last game of the season, it was we put out a sort of you know a half and half team, and a few squad players um, played that day and had brilliant games so you know for a pretty meaningless game it was good to see players in the in the background a bit sort of step up and show look this is what I can do so there seems to be really positive attitude around the place and you know without Europa League football I wouldn't say hindering us because we loved it last year but it's one less burden I guess and hopefully we can push on though. It's really fascinating one that European football thing isn't it because it's one yeah. it's the excuse all mid-table sides like to use now Newcastle did it a couple of years yeah. ago and I mean they did have an improved season last season so like you say do you have do you have mixed uh, emotions regarding that because obviously yeah. you're, you're going to enjoy playing in Europe aren't you but as you say the proof seems to be that unless you have a, a sort of top six squad you're going to struggle yeah there's some um... It's funny because, like, when I've been on sort of other clubs' podcasts, for example, um, like a Norwich one, they sort of say, "Are you, what's it like being in Europe?" And I think if you ask any Swansea fan last year, we absolutely we relished it, we loved it, and 
I think Michael Loud dropping all for Hayless to him and he sort of he went for it as well. We had a good go at it, which may have affected our league form, but the fact we stayed up in the end and you know, fairly comfortably, I don't think I would have done much different. It was it would have been hard if we were in it again, I think, but no, it was I wouldn't no regrets about how we did last year and just to come we you know, over the two legs we played Napoli, we were probably the better team and you know, it was exciting and yeah, I'd welcome it again. Maybe we could do with a bit of a break, though. For did you have to? Re- did you have to remind people when you went abroad that you were Welsh and not English? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I live in Manchester these days, and I still have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> What's your um, remind us what your opening fixtures are like, and how how do you think your season's going to pan out generally? Um, like in regards to the fixture list, it's actually been much kinder to us this year because last year was um we had lots of tough games clumped in. You know, all together. But this year we started Old Trafford, which is obviously, you know, not the easiest place, especially with the Van Hal effect, maybe, and you know, him wanting to prove a point in his first game. And then we've got quite a, a nice little run of them: Burnley, West Brom at home. I think we got Southampton at home before we go Chelsea away. But um, all our sort of tough games are spread out a bit this year. So yeah, that, the fixture list is much nicer. As as we're gonna, how are we gonna do this year? I think, um, you know, I think. You know the 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 tenth place is probably our aim again, and maybe a couple of places either side. Maybe it's it's, it's hard to judge because, like you said, we've had we've had quite a lot of change now, and the way we're playing is going to change a little bit. We seem to be going a bit more attacking and direct, but still having you know that Swansea passing philosophy. But yeah, it's exciting. I think most Swansea fans are very positive, and we seem to have this really good squad come together. So yes, um, so good seasons. I take ten. Do you think a good season just and and that's finishing tenth by not being involved in the relegation battle at all and just keeping you keeping your head above water um, and making yeah. sure you aren't involved in a dogfight that would be a good season for you, yeah. I would think so. After last year, where we became a bit a bit nervy at times, yeah, maybe maybe throw in another cup run like we had in the the league cup that would be quite nice. Yeah, I can vouch that they're very good, but only we yeah. we fell at the final hurdle, unlike yourself. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to Matt there. Okay, I want to ask you guys which players we're going to be keeping an eye on by that. I don't mean transfer targets. I mean players already here pre-season. Um, new signings are the obvious choices. And I think Gomez is possibly going to have the biggest burden to carry, Gary, because of the cl- this clamour we have to have a creative, proactive central midfielder. And now he, you know, him, he might have just been brought in in addition to hopefully getting one of those. Whether he likes or lumps it, that's you know fans' eyes are going to be on him collectively. Yeah, and he, has, he hasn't helped himself with that cracker at the weekend yeah, either, has he? Exactly. Are we expect one of them Expecting every week. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, he's obviously a good footballer, um, um, comfortable on the ball, uh, and that should help him fit into the way Paul Year wants to play. I think he wants people who's comfortable and, and confident and mm-hmm. don't have to look to pass it off like the old uh, proverbial hot potato mm. and of course he's cited that as a reason for coming himself because he's been at Swans he's been at Wigan who who well not so much Wigan under um, under Owen Coyle last season but under Martinez certainly Yeah. Uh, and Swansea under Martinez like to play, play this similar way to Gus Poyet so it does seem like a good fit that one doesn't it yeah and uh, it, it, it's early days but you know it, it looked quite lively from what I've what I've seen of him at the weekend and 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 um, hopefully he's going to slot in and, and do a good job. Gareth Gomez, <coughs> expectation levels. Yeah, well, <coughs> it just been. Bear nice. in mind, he didn't play loads for Swans. For Wigan, but I know the Wigan fan we spoke to said that was because of yeah, Owen Coyle and, it was, it was and the a, way he played. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think um, he's definitely the probably the most. I mean, I wouldn't describe any of the three signings as exciting. But he's probably no. the most, the, like you say, that is it. He's billed as a forward-thinking, creative, passing midfielder. Until we get player. another one, and he is at the moment, <laughs> isn't he? Yeah. Who wants yeah. to? You know, is the only different midfielder we've got in that area. He's he, he's somebody who can, like Poyet said himself. He's somebody who can play number ten, which we need in the system. That's yeah, what he said. Yeah. So if he can do that, and is he going to be? I mean, I know we'll come on to sort of. a not overly speculating on transfer stuff later, but we'll probably come on to that later. I don't want to sort of ruin that section, but <laughs> this Gonzalez, who sorry, uh, is it Rodriguez, Rodriguez? Sorry, who have been linked with from um, from Athletic yeah. Real Madrid. Fire away, he's on the agenda, so 
No, I was just saying, um, no, I, wouldn't, I, I know if he was sort of billed as a wide man, but you kind of think if he if he's after Barini, and they obviously are for the price that you know they're willing to pay, you've got Johnson, who plays wide, Barini, who plays wide, Jack Arini, who plays wide in that front three. Rodriguez, is he a, a wide player? Apparently so. Is he somebody I don't know enough about him? Is he somebody who would drift he in? He might just want options all yeah. over, mightn't he? It, two, two for each position. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're pretty good options. They're two Italian internationals, and a England international, well, and a that, Uruguayan that's international. Wa- that's what he'd want, I think, isn't um, it? It is, yeah. But I was just wondering if one of those, I mean, I could, you know, if one of those players could slot into that number 10 area, because if he's looking to strengthen those wide areas with, you know, he's looking to spend a lot of money, you know, is he basically saying that Gomez is the man for that position as he a starter because I know there was a lot of sort of chat well he'd be a good squad player when he when we signed him Are I think that's just because he came so unexpectedly and, and it was on a free and people are just thinking you know, he wasn't linked and he was, he was let's remember he was stepping up from the championship so people are kind of thinking well uh, he'd be a good squad player but I think it's just the, the more you start to think about it yeah, I think, you start to think well actually he I could think be. One, of the, one of the curses of modern day football or one of the curses of modern day football fans the fact that it, Gomez is come from Wigan and it's like oh well, the judgment has yeah, passed straight it, away it, yeah. you know compared to a guy that you've never seen before but you can see for 20 seconds on YouTube and yeah. apparently he's, he's the God's gift of football because you've seen him you know it, it's unbelievable how many fans these days especially on Twitter and Facebook want to Oh, have you seen this guy who's supposed to be after? He must be brilliant. Really? Why? Yeah. Do you watch the I Paraguayan think, think second division? I think we've learned our lesson last year I think with yeah. the Scott thing as well and, and some of the other foreign players we signed in that respect. Billy Jones is another one, mm. Gareth, I think, because he's came in and he's another one who people are saying, solid signing. You know, we spoke to West Brom fans. They are genuinely disappointed to see him leave. We therefore assume he's going to come in and do all right at right mm. back. Let's say he doesn't. We don't have another right back, no. so that is a, that's another guy who suddenly has. I don't want to say a pressure. He probably won't feel it as pressure or see it as pressure, but he's another guy who straight away you're feeling. You know, you're going to be watching the thing, and we, you know we need you to perform straight away. Well, he's playing left back in the minute. Yeah. Well, um, for now, because yeah. Because he's in Poyet's. Because he can play there. I just think it's just to get the match fit. But because we haven't got a right back. I know. Like, apart, we haven't exactly. got a left back. We've got one exactly, full back yeah. really. So, yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's um, you know he's somebody we're sort of. Not not that we're professor experts on West Bromwich Albion players and Billy Jones in particular, but we did we spoke we did spoke yeah. about him on the last podcast of the season and said he's on a, well mentioned I mentioned mm-hmm. that he was on a free uh, gold star I mentioned that he was on a free and Pat that maybe he was some if 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 Bardsey went he might be a replacement Premier League a relatively experienced Premier League player who can come in and, and fill the position that's been left by another experienced Premier League player so that's what's happened there I think and. You know, from, and he's got from the endorsements what from what we've, we've yeah. spoken about I mean, from West Brom. Some, some of the stuff you hear, maybe his, his use of the ball isn't that great um, when he gets into forward positions, but we've, we've spoken about Sunderland's system before and the way they don't really get the crosses in when the full-backs kind of make runs inside the opposition full-back to get into areas in the in the channels and in the, in the penalty area and try and work the ball back from the byline when, when, when that happens or work the ball back out. Uh, and then come quite narrow, and when the fullbacks get forward, we're not exactly ex- like wa- like very wide. Even though we do get the fu- fullbacks forward, we're quite narrow and work work the ball. So, it, like we saw with Bardsley, that was quite advantageous to him because his 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 biggest issue is probably wasting the ball with long passes. If if Jones's distribution short short passes is is okay, which apparently it is, then he won't. Yeah. Then he he won't be you know cursed with that issue of having to deliver crosses, you know, or, or deliver. Longer passes. I did think it was quite interesting to see him starting at left back. Because, like you say, we haven't really got a right back at all. He's played two, two young wingers there, hasn't he, really? Mm. And then he's put Jones at left back. But we have technically got a left back. I know he's not experienced or anything, but for pre season run outs against the likes of, you know, disrespect Darlington, Carlisle, and Hartlepool, you've got a kid there who's. It was a left back, and you could play your first choice mm. right back at right back. It seems strange that he's. Switched him over and played two wingers at fullback. Unless he's, you know, it wouldn't he wouldn't be the first manager or coach to to hide somebody in out of position and say, "Look, Mister Short, well, <laughs> I'm gonna yeah." Well, maybe, you know? maybe start leaving subs yeah. off the bench next. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. Uh, nail, yeah. maybe there's an issue there where he's, you know, he's he, he knows he's probably going to use 
certain players and he isn't going to use others so mm. if he if he wants to use people like Watmore and um, and Mavrias potentially I mean I know they're on the fringes but they're players who you might see come onto the bench as the season goes on yeah um, Mavrias is a strange one for yeah. me because the, the kid I know the kid's got like Champions League experience and yet he's struggling again mm. to really make an impact even in terms of it could of be big sum of him as well then couldn't it well he's, that's what he said I mean he's come out mm. and said like this is the summer he wants to make an impact. He feels more settled. He's had a year in England to settle down and knows what's wanted. And it wouldn't him, be so the first time a foreign player has a re- yeah. relatively quiet season and then comes in delivers a second season. I mean, it's, it's almost a cliche now, isn't it? The second. I don't, I don't think. He, I don't think. He, I know he has been brilliant, but I don't think he's ever come. He's not one of these players where he's come on and played and you thought, "Oh dear me." Yeah, I so agree he, with that. He, yeah. He's never been. You know, he mightn't. Sort of pulled up any trees or looked like outstanding, but, but he, he hasn't certainly looked half decent. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he hasn't. He hasn't been a sort of a Milton Nunes where he <laughs> went, "Oh dear, what happened there?" I think you look at him, and he clearly does have um, a level of a technical ability about him. Um, maybe he just doesn't impose himself on on games when he when he plays, and it's difficult when you're a winger and he looks like he's more of an out and out winger, which mm. might go against him in in Poyet's system because. He plays with sort of narrow, sort yeah. of wide forwards. So um, I don't know really. Uh, it, it's an interesting one, and I think he's somebody who I'd quite like to see do well because I've never really heard like you know players kick up a fuss and stuff when they don't get played. And he, he came for a lot of money, and you kind of feel like someone like maybe Mobile Carlson who came in a similar situation, similar price. Um, you get the impression that he just doesn't really want to want to, to do what's required um, I mean he went yeah. to Kilmarnock and didn't really do anything yeah I got I mean I was told by somebody who should remain nameless on the Sunderland staff that um, go on, go on drop they, the they, <laughs> they had a look at Mo Carson when he first arrived and just thought the kid hasn't got a chance and certainly not in and English football so 1.5 million right, I think. Okay. whether he's not bothering himself or I think he was quite. I think he was put well in the picture of it's not going to work out here, son. So whether again, whether he's just deciding, like, well, I'll just bide me time and see what happens. I'm not going to burst a gut or whatever. But I think it's been made quite clear to him and possibly his agent that they don't. They mm. did even very early on when he just shortly after he arrived, they, they got a shot and thought. This is not going to work. Yeah, he, did, he, didn't he didn't exactly help good, his cause uh, when he go back to go on to Scotland. He didn't. He struggled, no, didn't he? As we well. didn't play. Though, that's exactly. That's what I'm he saying. He didn't have he, a very good game, and I know it was one game in the cup against MK Dons, but he was he was pretty bad in that game. Very raw. He, 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 the, the strange thing is, again, I'm not saying he was a world beater, but he didn't look too bad in pre-season. No. Did he scored, did, didn't he? Against yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, everybody thought, oh, hang on a minute, yeah. and, uh, and then it uh, came back to bite us again yeah. as it does it. True yeah. Sunderland fashion. They never get excited about anything. That's, <laughs> no. that's, that's, that's the motto of life. Yeah, it is the Sunderland way after all. Right, our second guest, uh, Steve Colwell, was actually our first ever guest. He um, was indeed. Phone guest on the, on the Wise Men's Say podcast. Well, Gareth and I started this nearly two years ago. March the 5th, I think it was, the mm. first podcast. March the 5th, 2013. And obviously QPR Maybe. got relegated that season, didn't he? Despite mm. them beating us yeah, that game. Yeah. yeah, so it was nice to catch up with Steve. Steve Colwell. Not to be mistaken for the yeah. exceptional well, Scottish that was, uh, we had a star with Steve Colwell. We, we had a run, first, didn't we? Yeah, the first three guests was Steve Colwell, mm. and then we had someone on call. We um, had Gary Gowers. Gary Gowers. Sounds like Gary Gowers. And then it was um, Andy um, Johnson. And Adam Johnson. Adam Johnson, yeah. that was it, yeah. Which was very great. Some yeah, very, we tried some, to, yeah, some we pointless did, information for you yeah, there. We tried to find a Man United fan called uh, Ahmed Shell Mohammedi, but we couldn't <laughs> find one, so we just had to go with someone else. I don't know if anybody called Gareth Hall. No, no nobody looks <laughs> for anyone called Gareth no. Hall. That's you know, you just let's let's it's just leave Sorry, I've just the leave there, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely right. Uh, I caught up with Steve earlier. This is what he had to say about QPR. Okay, Steve, I'm speaking to you now and news hot off the press that the deal for Stephen Colker has been finalised. Rio yep. Ferdinand as well. You happy with the business so far, QPR? It's pretty good, yeah. I I, I think uh, the Rio Ferdinand signing was sort of instrumental in getting Colker as well. It just uh, Harry was sort of saying all along that this was important, and I, I think that uh, we wouldn't have got Corker without Ferdinand. So yeah, I think it's a great, two great signs. Yeah. What about other business? Can you remind us what's happening? 
Uh, well, we haven't got anything else. Obviously, we're sending some bloke to Liverpool, some French lad we got. We've given away virtually. It's <laughs> uh, Remy. Um, he's having medical. God knows why he's gone to America to have his medical. I would have thought they could have done it here, but he's gone to America to have a medical. Um, there's a few rumours and that still going around. Um, I, th- I think that we're trying to keep it as quiet as possible this this time. Uh, we're trying to keep salaries down as much as possible because of all the money problems we've had, obviously, over the last couple of seasons. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to other side. There's lots of rumours about people. Um, we've got, you know, Jack Collison from West Ham. Mm, I was wondering which Premier League club we're going to end up with him. Yeah, well, he's with our team out in Germany at the moment. So he'll be playing tonight for us. You know, we're now first friendly. <laughs> I think from an outside perspective, this this looks like a a far better way to do things because last time you came up and you splashed the cash on on, on some pretty good players on, on big money it has to be said and it just became too much for you and I mean parallels to Sunderland last season uh, obviously we done it at the other end of the market we brought a lot of free transfers in but again it just didn't work trying to throw them all together and he, he seems to be doing things right this way start start at the back two centre-halves two very good centre-halves like you say doing things quietly that you've got to be realistic with the aims haven't you and i think that's important that's the that's the main difference this time around well they certainly appear to have uh, learned from the lessons the owners and that um i mean ferdinand he's you know he's, he's taking a job for his salary his main salary his guaranteed salary down to forty thousand a week and he was on over two hundred thousand. god knows what he was on um so you know he's got sort of make-up money depending on appearances and and, uh, and and if we stay up i suppose as well but um, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's quite promising. I must admit, uh, I'm glad they're not sh- shouting about it because it just makes players think, "Oh, we can get someone out of QPR," and uh, that's what happened in the past with dishing out stupid money too much, and um, people were just coming for the money, and uh, they're looking for people that want to play first. Do you care? I think even Corker, sorry, Corker, I think was offered more money by Palace to play for them. Just a matter of interest. They only cut the ground a week, but you know. Kind of grand a week. <laughs> <laughs> You're not bad, is it? Um, do not you bad. think? Do you care about outside perception? Because I've just mentioned, obviously, outside perception. Thinking, you know, how I'm viewing things as as a Sunderland fan, and I, I guess yeah, what I mean yeah. is because the the way you you done things last time, um, genuine football fans don't like to see that. They like to see clubs built up slowly and properly. And I, I think when you played Derby in the playoff final last year, just keeping yeah. an eye on on my sort of social network, social media network, I don't think I've seen one person um, who I know who wanted QPR to win that game. And, yeah, But, I mean, the way you're, you're doing things yeah. this time, you know, would, yeah. would, would would help sort of, would help resolve that. But do you care about that or not? I, I think we do. I mean, QPR, in, going back a while ago when I was a young lad and I used to go to QPR in the 70s and... Uh, yeah, we were everyone's second team really in the seventies. We played fantastic football, and uh, well, nearly everyone's second team, not Chelsea's, <laughs> but we were lots of people second team in, in the seventies. And still are to an extent, you know. Certainly, people that know me tend to like QPR because they know me, and um, you know, I'm not a silly person who does silly things. I'm a reasonably reasonable person, and uh, and as I meet people over my life, they always look after or look, follow QPR's results. But we were, you know, we were a team that we played great football and people liked us. And um, and that's you know, it's a bit galling that we let ourselves down on the um, on that sort of side by spending too much silly, silly money. Mm. Starting, to, I think you know you, you could rectify it if you if you do things slowly and, con- and continue in this yeah. manner as well. Yeah. I think. Um, what, what are your? Rubbing is more sensible. A few youngsters out in Germany at the moment as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. What are your realistic plans for the season? Then you're not going to um, you're not going to strive for world domination this time, obviously. <laughs> no, not at all. No, um, I, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, everyone's going to say you want to finish in the top. Uh, it's got. It's just got. It's got to be staying up, hasn't it, surely? <laughs> but I, I would like to be in the, in the top fourteen at least. You know, we've got to strive to get near as close to the middle of the league as we can. Because otherwise you're just panicking all the time. So we need to pick up some good points early in the season, I think. And it's not going to be easy, obviously. Uh, look at the teams that went up last season and then came down last season. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's not great. And, and of course, we've got Cardiff. So they signed him to go up with and uh, he's gone back down and coming up, back up with us. Mm. So, uh, 
and fans. Yeah, cool. it's a good signing. Yeah, yeah fans like to wet the bed about signing players from uh, relegated sides. We've seen a lot of that here at Sunderland. What's it, is, um, it, is, is there any more development on the on the ground front? Finally, well, the ground from the last I've heard is um, there's something to do with someone owns something there. The fact that uh, chap who used to sponsor a shirt, one with the um, oh, it's a car. Second hand car sales, and I can't remember what it's called there. But he, he's someone that owns something there and he's making no noises about not going there. And uh, it looks like we're going to stop our training sort of ground uh, expansion, which we were going to look for. Uh, we're just going to expand where we are already. Um, I, I think it's a, a way to go, but also it depends on if this, this uh, HS2 or whatever this train go, get, goes ahead because it's going to be at the same place as that. All right. So I think we'll wait until that happens, or probably have to wait until it happens. Uh, we definitely need a big grant, as you know. Have you ever been to Loftus Road? I have, yes. Um, yeah, last time I went to Lost, Loftus Road, Niall Quinn scored a winner, I think. In, in, oh, in no. <laughs> a long time. I was only about 16. <laughs> I think I've been at that last <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, can't, I remember. Well, I remember I went there in the when I was a young lad, and I went there when we played Leeds and it was over 35,000 at the match, you know, in the old terraces days. And with terraces, it was cramped as anything, <laughs> but, but it was an exciting time. It's a great atmosphere, but it's just not big enough. Okay. Now I want to talk about Fabio Barini. Now, I don't want to do this to death and we're not going to second guess anything because there's a lot of that going on and you get the impression nobody really has a clue what is happening. We don't know the ins and outs. I think all we can do at the minute, is give Sunderland and Lee Congren the benefit of the doubt that there must have been some indication Barini wanted to sign. That would, you know, thinking logically, you would you would come to that conclusion, wouldn't you? It would be ludicrous to think they've gone in blind considering he was here last season. Yeah. So we don't want to speculate. All we're going to do is work on that assumption. That would suggest that his agent's doing some work. What I will do is ask this. How long can we let this go on, Gary? Do we need to put a time limit on it, taking into consideration how well he fits into the side? Can we? Does that mean we can afford to let it go to the start of the season, knowing he'll come in? But then you have the risk that you, you, you know, you're missing out on other potential targets. It's a tricky one, isn't it? What would you do in Sunderland's position now? It, well, it, it really depends on on what you said at the, the start of this bit. Have Congerton and and Gus. Had a word. Hard, well, you've you? got to. I mean, yeah. if I've had a word and, and, and Barini said, "Look, as long as I get what I want, yeah, I'll come back. If they're going to buy all these players, I'll come back." If they've if they've had that nod, he was Sunderland's primary target. Yeah. So they, they must have been informed. You would think. So if they have been tipped the nod by the player himself, if, if they've spoke to him and said, "Look, if we can get the money together and we, we do this, that, and the other, will you come?" If they and if he said yes, then they've got to take him at the, his word, I guess, and, and give it as long as possible. But if we haven't, which seems a strange thing, that, it, that you had a kid there and you wanted him to come back and you didn't just tap him up before he went back and said, any chance? You know, uh, If they haven't done that, one, I'd be very surprised. Two, you'd be very disappointed because you, you think, this new, then, you they, think yeah. the new guy sort of dropped the ball already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if if they haven't, say, worst-case scenario, they haven't, and... And it's not his agent playing about trying to get this, that, and to then it's not his agent, and he genuinely does want to stop and fight. Well, then I would say, then the next fortnight, really, mm. uh, and 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 the same goes, same goes for me for Alonso. I know it's not Alonso that's playing; it's more to do with his club rather than the player himself. But we all know what we need. We know that them two fit the role and. Anybody else is going to be a gamble to a certain And you think extent. the agents know that as well, and that's yeah. why this is happening. Oh, without doubt. I mean, it, it, one night, I mean, many, 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 I'm sure me age, but many, many, <laughs> many moons ago when, when I first started as a sports journalist, it tended to be a lot more straightforward. It was, he wants to come, right? We've got the money, we've signed him. Now you've got, they're trying to say this, that, and the other for a loyalty bonus. And I'm not saying Barini's doing that, I'm not saying, but. There's players that's done that in the past. There's agents who've put players out there. Link now, agents link some of the players that Gus Poirier and Congan and probably haven't even heard of or seen because it gets them a move elsewhere. And it, everybody's playing the game now. Everybody's sort of you know. Well, it's just ridiculous. And and you've got the likes of myself as a journalist and, and yourself and, and Gareth on here 
try, we end up trying to second guess everything and, and sometimes a lot of times you end up with egg on your face and sometimes like Gareth said about Billy Jones you get a gold star you get it right but I think if they haven't been given any assurances by either of those two then another two weeks and you've really got to start looking because you, you know how long do you give players a time to bed in and play at the Gus's system mm. to meet the, the rest of the team and all that you can't get you can't let yourself go right to the the wire and then all of a sudden something happens he either picks up an injury he decides he wants to come up lately he decides he doesn't want to come up. you know I think another two weeks maybe three maximum and and then you've got to start be looking at other options and I'm sure they have got you would hope they've got other options down the line somewhere I think the example in, is in Barini himself Gareth as well last season it took him a while to find a place in the side mm. where he was settled and comfortable so if you're going to move on to another target you need them in sooner rather than later it doesn't always work like that in an ideal world but you could see you could understand the club thinking no we're going to leave this one because we think the longer it goes on the more chance we've got of getting them there's mm. different ways to look at this isn't there I think um, what I'd say about the, the first point regarding betting players in um, we've got Jack Arini now I know he was in different last season but he's had a year in England and he plays in that position so if he wants to bring in this Rodriguez who plays wide and that that that's been spoken about by quite a few people and Paul yet's commented himself I would quite like to Is there a player. chance this Rodriguez links a tactic for, for um, Barini possibly? I don't know I mean but you know Paul yet said he wants a Uruguayan in the team because they understand um, what it what it's all about that's I just he thought he was um, pandant of the Uruguayan Do you think? The crowd well, he, might, he was he on the Uruguayan well radio station he might well wasn't been. he? Yeah. Um, but um, yeah there's options there Um what I would say about Barini, um, if he has been sounded out and he's given some sort of, he has given an indication that he'd be interested in this is all, you know, just making sure he, he gets the right gets deal wants, from, yeah. from all uh, all departments, what I would say is that they should persist with it right until the very end of the window because, you know, £40 million would be our transfer record and we it we haven't really been big spenders in the last two or three years. Um, I know obviously we've brought in Johnson and, and Fletcher um, but generally um, I wouldn't say we've been the type of team who go out and make regular massive signings we've probably overpaid for average players rather than making spending a lot of money on certain players generally um, £40 million if you're going to put that outlay and it will play you're willing to put that outlay into play it means you really want that player and I just think you've got to You've got to persist with it. There's been any indication that he might want to come to Sunderland and they really want him. It's not just about the first four months of the next season. He'll be signing a five-year deal or something, won't he? <laughs> Four or five-year deal. You're talking, you're talking long-term. I mean, people get frustrated about loan systems and stuff, but you can't be so short-sighted. You've got to think, if we don't, just because you want to sign a player, like I think social social media has a big part of playing this where people get all frothed up about the fact that other play, other teams are signing players so we should be signing players and they don't care who it is or anything like that they just want them because they've seen it on the telly yeah. that everyone else is getting I was, one I was just going to say why, why, why I think we're probably all in agreement that let Barini go at the wire if if we've had the nod and I think most fans would probably say over Barini yeah I think if it, the more it drags on, yeah. the, the Twitterverse and, and the message boards and that are going to go into oh, meltdown. Yeah, I think it's crazy out there. You've it? got you've got to you've got to keep your head in these situations. If if you if you're talking about spending that money, you well, know, I'm, the, I'm I'm sure Lee Congdon oh, and, 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 and Gus Poy is not not going to start reading about no. Oh no no, the I'm, sure the the I'm sure they won't. I'm sure they Somebody in sooner or later. I mean, but there's you know there's a process about you know. It's not as easy as just like going. I want him. Let's. Oh, he wants to come. Right, he's come. Two days done. It's. It's not as simple as that. It's. It takes time to do deals. I mean, there's no, no time scale on the length of a transfer. People see. You know, because you've heard about it the day before it happens, doesn't mean it took a day to happen. It yeah. might have taken months to to orchestrate that transfer. Sometimes it can take eighteen yeah. months. And, and and the trouble you've got these days, more and more with the role of the agent becoming more yeah. and more involved. The the agent. Not always acting in the best interest of the player, I would suggest. I'm not saying that's the no. case here, but I think in past we've seen agents where they've played teams off against one another just to get the best deal, and 
Well, because it's particularly it's that, suited their client. Yeah, it's their career in a way, isn't it? Well, it so is, but I mean, I'm sure he's still get it. Whatever, whoever he signs for, I'm sure he's going to still get a few. Bob, it's just uh, it's what they're prepared to do for that few dollars more. Mm. Is it? Right. Okay, we're going to take a visit back to the flats now. Gareth, do you want to give people what happened last week again? Yeah. Oh, Paolo De Canio was in last week, wasn't he? He's gone. Quick, surprising. Um, and now somebody else is going to come in and have a bash. This will be the last one, actually. We're going to have a because we're not going to be able to complete the the series before the end of the um, before the end of the that we finish with Spark. So we'll play the last two on the the last uh, on the first couple of podcasts of the season. Maybe I'll I'll put a little refresher up maybe on the SoundCloud and put the put all the episodes. Yeah, together, so, so people can listen and spread yeah. the word. Get people mm. and check Gareth's accent out. Last week on the flat. Paolo De Canio left a trail of destruction after a short stay in the property, leaving Alan and Steve scratching their heads once more. Surely it's time for a less volatile option. Well, you know, obviously Paolo was a disaster. We hadn't expected the ego of the men to be so disruptive. We thought he might bring some personality to the place. Well, that's for sure. But the clash of cultures was just too much, you know. We ended up getting our backsides kicked. We've had to have a rethink. It's time for someone more genial to come into the fold. In my view, absolutely. Alan and I had a long chat about it, and he agrees. It was clear we were struggling with Paolo early doors. We thought we had the strongest possible candidate, but in the end, we was let down by the landlord who didn't vet him properly. But we'll be trying our best to rectify the situation. Steve thinks he's found the perfect solution. Niall, how's it going? Wow, what a fantastic looking flat. Really the... Pleasure to be here. What a wonderful moment this is for all of us. Look at Alan over there in the corner, sitting there having a fantastic time. Absolutely brilliant. Nice to see you, Niall. Absolutely phenomenal to see you again, Alan. It's such a fantastic situation to be in here with you guys, you know. What a wonderful opportunity for us three to forge an understanding and bring some smiles to people's faces. It's a real thrill for those supporters. Look at them there. They're having a fantastic time. What a wonderful, great day this is for us. What supporters? The fantastic travelling supporters there. Look at them. What a great day out for them. Having a wonderful time. Brilliant. Settle down, Quinny lad. Let's have ourselves a cup of tea and eight or nine biscuits. Tea. Biscuits. What a wonderful day this has turned out to be. Fantastic. Niall's overwhelming enthusiasm is in stark contrast to that of the hypercritical De Canio. Steve suggests the lad sit down for a game of Monopoly in order to break the ice. You know... It's important to integrate the new lads. Without a doubt, there's nothing better than a good old-fashioned game of Monopoly to do that in my view, that's for sure. Mind, I'm still a bit bitter about the time I had Park Lane and ended up being forced out by the boy Alex. He had Mayfair and we couldn't do the deal. In the end, I caved in. It's brutal up there sometimes, you know, to be hounded out by your own flesh and blood. It's tough to take, but you move on. The game begins. Niall declines the invitation to play, but is very keen to watch. And comment. We was straggling here. I was only given a chance to bring in two stations. And I had both utilities and I, I lost electric and water. Wasn't quite the same without it. I tried to bring in Vine Street, but we couldn't do the deal and it got stuck with old Kent Road. Come on, Alan. Roll the dice. Seven. That's chance. What a chance this is for Alan here. A fantastic opportunity. It's a get-out-of-jail-free card. What an absolutely wonderful move that is. An incredible moment for Alan there. No doubt he'll be needing that later on. And look at it, what it means to him. Look at his face. What a wonderful moment. He's having a fantastic time here. Oh, I'm in a spot of bother here, that's for sure. I've blown all my cash on average streets and haven't got a full set yet. Come on, Steve. Come on. Eleven. Community chest. There he goes. Look at the delight on his face as he passes go and collects his reward. A wonderful moment for him. Fantastic. Game on. Do you think you're getting a bit overexcited there, Niall? Obviously you're a passionate man, but both you and I know how quickly things can go pear-shaped up here in the northeast, especially over at Sunderland. You've got to calm down. It's impossible not to get excited. What a fantastic day out it's been for those supporters over there. Look at them there. They're having a wonderful time down there. Look at their faces. Absolutely fantastic. A quick word, Steve. I think Niall is really struggling with his head. Maybe he's a bit tired from the week. Well, you know, Alan, I think you're absolutely right. 
There's no doubt about that. The lad has gone wrong. Who are these supporters he keeps mentioning? The only supporter I see around here are the 52 fairs and screaming Geordies. I know, Alan. He's lost the plot, that's for sure. He's going to have to be moved on. We're certainly not the best at picking flatmates. we got our backsides kicked. But we'll dust ourselves down and continue the search. It falls on Steve to break the news to the big Irishman. Listen, Niall, I take no pleasure in this, even though you caved in over at Sunderland when I was hounded out. But we're going to have to ask you to go. It's just not working out as we'd hoped. I know what it's like to be booted out, as you well know. You did the booting. But you'll bounce back. Look at me. Look at the job I've done down at Hull. They don't know what they're missing up here now. But it's time for you to go. That's for sure. Well, this has been a fantastic opportunity for me, but I fail to take it. No doubt when the next one comes along, I'll grab it with both hands. I'll roll up my magic carpet and be on my way. Good luck. Well, he's a lovely bloke. That's for sure. Yeah. I'll get on the phone to Graham Carr, see if he can unearth us a gem. Otherwise, we could be straggling for the rent. I'll send a few faxes. We've got a few irons in the fire. Best to keep your powder dry. No doubt about it. Once again, Alan and Steve fail to secure the right man for the job. Who will be next? Find out next week on The Flat. Who's better, Messi or Ronaldo? This is the bit where we acknowledge some of the most mundane conversations and debates that float around on Twitter and the like. I'm going to take, take this for this week um, and it is which is better the Spanish the, the Spanish top division or the Premier League and that's just you know this is on the back of James Rodriguez obviously signing for Real Madrid and Luis Suarez going to Barcelona and it just seems to be it seems to have sparked a debate again and why who cares <laughs> like the these players you know gradually will play in the Premier League and in the Spanish League uh, at some point anyway and it's you know how can anybody sort of put the Premier, the quality of the Premier League down when you look at the kind of players who are playing it now compared to even 10 years ago so, ludicrous so two blokes who speak Spanish go to Spanish League and all of a sudden English exactly. football's on its I know. Uppers, and you think well, if anything and you know I don't want to be drawn into a bit where I'm going to give an opinion and say the Premier League is better um, but you know, there's an argument, Gareth, that the Premier League has much, you know, has substance to it because mm. foreign managers and players, when they come to the Premier League, Jack Arini said it. The, one of the first things they comment on is, you know, wow, when you play the sides near the bottom of the league here, these games are hard. It's mm. so competitive in leagues like Spain and Italy. That isn't the case. I think um, there might be more quality in, you know, maybe a more aesthetic qualities in in some leagues that England doesn't have but I think the English the English Premier League is that certainly probably the the tough one of the toughest leagues in Europe and with regards to like like you say you, you don't know you, you know you look at Sunderland's uh, run in last season and the teams that we played and the the teams and you don't see probably, that in other leagues no, do you, you mm. don't you don't see those people are just thinking well you know points there and points there and People talk about how one-sided it is. Well, recently the Premier League's actually become more even, I would say. And in other leagues, I think the um, you know with maybe the last season in uh, with Atletico uh, winning the um, the, the, the league, the it, it was a break from the norm. Uh, John, well, Jonathan Wilson mentions a lot, doesn't he? How these countries like Spain and, and Italy have super clubs mm. that kind of absorb and, and and take all the resources in the country and you know that doesn't happen here we even have sides in the championship who are still you know big clubs get 20 odd thousand a week mm. can attract good foreign players and will always have a chance of getting promoted and challenging yeah I mean I, I'll hold my hands up and say by no no stretch of the imagination to count myself uh, an expert on uh, Spanish football or or maybe football across the continent but um <clears throat> what I would say, and I'm certainly not trying to put Sunderland down here, but Sunderland got, uh, as we all know, Sunderland got to Wembley last season, and, uh, and what a time we had there! Mm -hmm. How many times? And Swansea won it, yeah. Before, and, and how many times over the last ten years would you see underdog teams, mm. without being disrespectful, have got to a major cup fan in this country? How many times has it happened over there? How many times? How many times has it Osasuna or I yeah. don't know, Malaga for, for want of better? How many times do them fellas get to see their 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 lads right up there fighting against the big guns and I I think that's one of the best yeah. things about 
you know, the FA Cup, the the the, the club that starts off with ten blokes and his dog watching, you know, they get to have a go against the big boys. You know, I'm not sure what happens over there, does it? I think there there was a team in France actually, a fourth division team that got to a cup final recently. But anyway. Well, I'm happy to leave that there. La Liga. I don't know why I was in Spanish top division. They just went out my head. Yeah. The, La La, Liga. the La Liga. The La Liga. The La Liga, as Lee Dixon once that, called did, it. Did he? No. All <laughs> yeah. right, I was going to say The La Liga. The, the be, Premier League. new law even for me. Right, I'd like to thank um, Gary Foster for coming on. Gareth Bog, as always. There's a match, Hartlepool, tonight. Um, see you there around the pubs if you're out and about. Come and say hi. Right, thanks for listening. Over and out.